0: So two weeks ago, um, or three weeks ago, I guess, because we didn't meet last Sunday due to the ice storm, uh, on Resurrection Sunday we began a new series of studies on the theme of uh, the Holy Spirit and prayer. It's called "By My Spirit," and uh, the idea really amounts to this: If you're in a personal relationship with the one true living God through faith in Jesus Christ, how do you how do you get that relationship to grow? Closer and deeper. How do you grow your faith? How do you grow in love for God? How do you grow in the character of Christ? How do you grow in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Well, here at CCV, we've devoted ourselves to four practices. Four primary practices that we believe serve those purposes in our lives. The four are these. Genuine worship biblical discipleship, generous stewardship, and persistent prayer. And each of those four practices together serve to deepen our relationship with God. So like worship, discipleship, and stewardship, each of which we studied in turn over the course of January, February, and March, we've devoted this month and actually next month as well to the study of the practice of prayer And specifically, how it is that prayer engages us with the life and presence and power of God's Spirit at work in our lives. In short, what I'd uh, just remind you of, and we've talked about this before at length, is that these practices worship, discipleship, stewardship, and prayer function in our lives uh, something like the way a garden hose functions to bring water to your lawn or your garden, right? They're like conduits through which the living water of God's Spirit flows into our lives. But they take discipline. And so they're not just uh, referred to as practices, they're often these things referred to as spiritual disciplines because they're things that we have to be committed to doing in order to encounter the presence of God in new and deeper ways. So in many respects, these practices facilitate for us an encounter with the presence of God. That's why we do these things. That's why the the Bible commends them to us. So if you want to experience more of God's presence and power at work in your life, these practices are critical. They're the primary ways that God has given us, prescribed for us, to engage with him and experience his presence so that we can grow closer to him. So we're going to continue then this morning the study, of, uh, the study of the ministry of God's Spirit in our lives and how it relates specifically to the practice of prayer. And uh, I want to talk this morning about a particular aspect of the Spirit's ministry in our lives. And it's something that's discussed quite extensively in Scripture, throughout Scripture. It's what we might refer to as the ministry of revelation revelation. What is revelation? How does it work? Why is it important? What impact does it have in our lives? Well, let me begin with an illustration that I think is a great metaphor for the power of revelation. How many of you have ever found yourself uh, traveling the streets of Lansing in your automobile? Maybe you were driving or maybe you were a passenger and you suddenly to your dismay, discovered that you were going the wrong way on a one-way street? Anybody willing to admit that? Come on now. Okay, this is a little easier question, a little follow-up here. How many of you have actually been driving or riding in a car and you've discovered that someone else is going the wrong way and heading right for you, right? Yeah, it's not an uncommon experience, unfortunately. In fact, I one of my worst, uh, one of my least favorite places where I've encountered this numerous times is just down here at Saginaw and Grand River, and inevitably, what happens is people miss the sign, and they're new, they're visiting from out of town, whatever. They don't realize that Saginaw, you know, goes uh, goes one direction, and Grand River goes the other direction, and that each one of them are one way streets, and so they get off the highway heading, you know. Uh, they were heading north or south and now they want to go east or west and inevitably they turn onto the wrong road and they're coming right at you. I offer you that as a metaphor, as an image that I think represents the way that, uh, that God wants to communicate something to us that's very important for how we live our lives. Think of a one-way sign which is pictured here behind me to help you uh, imagine this, think of a one way sign as a form of revelation from a higher power now, in this case it 's not you know like God himself uh, placed the sign. the higher power happens to be your city or uh, state government, but nevertheless, somebody created the flow of traffic, somebody determined that this street was going to go one way, and somebody had to make and place the sign that communicates that reality to drivers. And if you don't see the sign, you're at risk of going the wrong way. If you don't see the sign, if you can't read it, you miss it, and you don't realize that you're traveling on a one-way street, you may be going the wrong way. And you may find yourself in danger of an accident. I offer you that as a point of connection this morning, as a metaphor for the power of what's called divine revelation from the Spirit of God. In one sense, a a one-way sign could be viewed and understood as a, a form of revelation from a higher power. And to broaden that analogy out and apply it to the ministry of God's Spirit in our lives It's the Holy Spirit who communicates to people the way that God wants us to live. Think for a moment of the role that a sign like that is meant to play. It's meant to give you the knowledge that you need to drive in the right direction so that you can avoid an accident. The sign is directional. It's meant to move you, to drive with the flow of traffic instead of against it. But if you miss that revelation, the revelation that the sign holds for you, and you lack the truth that it conveys, you'll find yourself moving in the wrong direction. The same is true with the directions that come to us from God's Spirit. So in like manner, God wants to reveal to us the one way that he intends for us to live. We call that the will of God, the way of Christ. And one of the primary roles of the Spirit of God in our lives is to reveal to us the knowledge we need to live in the right direction so that our lives are always pointed Christward. So let's think about what it means to live our lives in a christ direction and the revelation we need from the Spirit of God to be able to do that. In short, let me uh, kind of summarize what I take away from these two passages in First and 2 Peter with uh, a very basic insight about the nature of revelation. Here it is. Here's the first takeaway I'd put before you this morning. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit... If we were to write out a job description, this would be right up near the top. One of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is the revelation of God's truth, God's heart, and God's will for our lives. The ministry of the Spirit is the ministry of revelation. Look with me again at Peter's words and consider how they describe the way in which God reveals himself to men and women. 1 Peter, again, chapter 1, verses 10 to 12. Concerning this salvation, of course, the salvation available to us through faith in Christ, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched intently and with the greatest care. What were they searching for? What were they looking for? They were trying to find out the time and circumstances to which The Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Okay, now let me just pause right here before we go on to verse 12 and make sure that you're understanding the flow of Peter's thoughts and Peter's words. What Peter's describing, this is kind of a complex set of ideas here, and they're all interrelated, but what, what Peter's describing for us is the way that revelation works. The way that God communicates with people. So with these words, Peter's essentially describing two things about revelation. Both the ministry of a prophet, or the prophets, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't have one without the other. The ministry of the prophets is dependent on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If a prophet doesn't receive revelation from the Holy Spirit, guess what? They're a false prophet. So Peter's describing for us how these two things work together. How a person like you or I can receive a revelation from God and then communicate it to other people. That's what prophecy is. That's how revelation works. Peter's saying there are human messengers of God known as prophets, who received from God's Spirit some form of what we call special revelation about God. And they convey that or communicate it then to other people under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So these prophets then spoke or wrote, either or or both together, under the direction of and inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the Bible such an amazing book, right? This this is not just like any other book you might find in a library. The reason why we believe that the Bible is not just another book, but it's the written Word of God, is because it's inspired by the Spirit of God, right? And that's what gives it unique authority, that's what communicates the truth of God's heart and God's will. Something, there's something very unique about this particular book that's different than any other book on the face of the earth. So I know that this can all sound a bit technical, and I don't want you to, you know, kind of get lost in the, in the technicalities of how inspiration works. But I want you to just stop and consider for a moment how incredible and wonderful this really is. That God would make himself known by revealing his thoughts and his truth to certain people over the course of history so that they then could speak and write on God's behalf to make him known to us. Isn't that amazing? That's the wonder of, of revelation and how it works. God makes himself known through personal or special revelation, which comes to a person from the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, there's general revelation. And if you don't know what the difference is, general revelation is the the notion that by looking at creation and the created order of the world as we know it, that any person should be able to see evidence of the existence of God. Paul talks about this in Romans, and it's mentioned as well in many other places. The idea is that general revelation can come from the simplest experience, like walking down the street and looking up at the sky, or looking at the intricacies of how a tree is formed, and um, thinking about creation, right? Because creation is like a signpost that points to the reality of God. But even more than creation, special revelation, not general revelation, but special revelation is personal. It's the revealing of God's thoughts, the revealing of God's will, the revealing of God's truth. And the only way that that knowledge can be received is if God chooses to reveal it to us. Otherwise, we'd never figure it out on our own because it's beyond our comprehension. So what Peter's describing here is that the sayings and writings of the prophets, what we now know as the prophetic books of the Old Testament, were pointing toward something yet to come. They were pointing toward a future that was yet to be experienced. They were pointing pointing toward, toward the ministry of the Messiah, whom we now know to be Jesus, the Son of God. And Peter says the prophets themselves, as they thought about and wrote about these things under the direction and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as they received this revelation and then were inspired to communicate it forward through the generations they were looking intently, trying to figure out what their words were pointing toward. They had a sense that there was some future promise at work in all of it, that God had a plan that was being revealed, and yet they couldn't wrap their minds around exactly what it was or how it would play out. What sets these prophetic writings that Peter's referring to, apart from any other great work of literature, is the role the Holy Spirit played in revealing to the authors what God wanted them to speak for our benefit. They received a revelation from the Spirit of God and they were then inspired by the Spirit to communicate that revelation. That's what makes the Bible The Word of God. So for Peter then, the key words that convey this idea are found in verses 11 and 12. Let me draw your attention specifically to the language that he uses. First, in verse 11, we see Peter himself, again, inspired even as he wrote this, explaining that the Spirit of Christ in the prophets was pointing their attention toward the coming ministry of the Messiah. And I think it's very significant that Peter's specific about how this works, that he's, he's drawing our attention to the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in the life of the prophets. They didn't just come up with this idea, you know, out of the blue. It wasn't some random thought. Well, I think I should, you know. Uh, no, they were, their minds, their thoughts were illuminated by the Spirit of God so that they could see and understand something that otherwise they would have no understanding or awareness of whatsoever it was knowledge about god that was previously secret and unknown to everyone but god himself but then that knowledge was revealed peter says in verse 12 revealed meaning simply that it was it was made known the secret was shared that knowledge of the Messiah who was to come was revealed so that it could be made known and received by people like us. Peter's talking about, of course, the ministry of Jesus and the way that the ministry of Jesus provides for us salvation. But not just salvation. He's also talking about how really the ministry of Jesus invites us into a life of meaningful, intimate relationship with God. So this isn't just about how to go to heaven. Really, Peter's saying the ministry of the prophets, pointing us toward the ministry of Jesus, is for the purpose of helping us understand that the life of Jesus is available to us. That the peace that he offers, the forgiveness he offers, the grace he offers, the love he offers... Everything, all that Jesus offers us is available to us now because of what he did for us. And the way that we experience all of that, the way that it's appropriated in our lives, comes right back to the Holy Spirit. See, it's the Spirit, not only that revealed these things to the prophets, but it's the Spirit as well that opens our hearts and minds to receive what the prophets had to say and allow it to change our lives we'll come back to that in a moment but for now what i want you to understand here is that if if we're to return to our signpost illustration it's as if the prophets of the old testament were making signs that pointed us in the direction of jesus that's what their ministry could be summarized as they were pointing our lives in a Christ-word direction, all that they wrote about the coming Messiah, all that they wrote about the way that God wants to relate with his people, the ministry of the prophets is like a sign pointing us toward Jesus. And everything they said was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit. So they're showing us and telling us the way that God intends for people to live in right relationship with him. To be a prophet or to speak prophetically is to communicate to people on God's behalf under the inspiration of the Spirit. And again, quite frankly, no man can do that apart from the Holy Spirit. So so this is all about the ministry of Jesus In our lives, but it's also at the same time all about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not an either or, it's a both and. They're always working together in perfect partnership and in perfect agreement. The ministry of the Spirit is always about the ministry of Jesus, and the ministry of Jesus was always about the ministry of the Spirit. There's no dichotomy between the two. The revelation that the Spirit of God brings to people always points them in the direction of the life of Jesus. And it's a disclosure. It's a divine disclosure of the heart of God. Let me just pause here and and, and try to give you an example of how this works, right? Let's say I pick somebody uh, who wants to be a volunteer. Come on now, you guys. It's not that scary, is it? All right. I see one. I think John had his hand up first. So come on up here. All right. Just pretend with me here. uh, This is an example or an illustration. I'm going to turn my mic off and tell John a secret. Thank you. So John knows the secret because I revealed it to him, right? Right? Would you have known that if I hadn't told you? Okay. Are you glad to know it? Is it good news? Pretty cool? Something you'd be excited to share with other people? All right. (laughs) I won't make you do that. You you can if you want to later. All right. It's okay. It's not really meant to be like a total secret. It's just good news that we hadn't gotten around to telling everybody yet. Thank you for your help. Appreciate it. That's all. So, so what I want you to what I want you to see here is you want to know this. Oh, okay, all right. Should we tell them, John? I think they want I think they want to know what the secret is. Hey. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, that's a relatively insignificant secret to, to know. But, but it's exciting for those of us involved in worship ministry, right? Um, those that work at the soundboard like John, he was a perfect volunteer for that. Um, so, no, I want you to see that because it's an example of how prophetic ministry works. It's an example of the kind of revelation that it takes for a prophet to be able to speak on God's behalf, Right? So if you just think of it as an analogy, right? God shares his secrets with certain people so that they can then turn and share those secrets with other people so that they're not secrets anymore, right? What started out as a secret was disclosed from general awareness until it was revealed to someone so that they could then communicate it to others. That's the ministry of revelation that comes from the Holy Spirit. So the way it works is, is simple, right? I, I don't want you to over-mystify this. You might be thinking, well, how, you know, how does it actually work? Well, it's not generally through an audible voice that God reveals something to someone. Generally, it's through the revelation that comes to someone by the Spirit at work in their minds. And so you have your thoughts are directed by God and settled on the truth of what God wants you to know so that then you can communicate those things to other people. That's how the prophets received the revelation that they then shared with all of us in Scripture. So what we're talking about here is a pattern, a pattern of revelation that characterizes the ministry of God's Spirit. God's Spirit is all about revelation. God's Spirit is all about making known to us the thoughts of God, the truth of God, the heart of God, the will of God, the plans of God. And apart from the revelation of the Spirit, we have no way to know those things. They're secrets. So that's what Scripture is all about. And there's one little phrase here that I want to just comment on briefly because I think it's so compelling and so fascinating to think about. Anybody have a water cooler at work where people gather to kind of share gossip or secrets? You know, it's the, the classic uh, water cooler gossip spot. We have one here now, but I, <laughs> uh, it's not really working if it's meant to gather people to share, you know, gossip and secrets. Um, but, you know, you're all familiar with the memes, right, about, about water cooler gossip and how that's the place where everybody goes during their break at work to talk about, you know, this and that. Imagine this. This is just my my crazy brain, but bear with me because I think it's kind of humorous and and insightful. Imagine there's a water cooler in heaven and the angels, when they're on break, go to the water cooler to hang out and have a a little drink and, and talk. That's what I picture in my mind, right or wrong, That's what I picture in my mind when I read the last phrase of Peter's words in in 1 Peter chapter 1 here. Did you notice what he said after describing the way that revelation works and going through this this explanation of of the the revelation and inspiration of the Holy Spirit? There's this little comment there at the end of the passage. Even angels long to look into these things. Think about that. That's amazing. This is so crazy, so mysterious, so wonderful, so surprising that God would choose to reveal the secrets of his ways to human beings like this. That somewhere up in heaven, the angels are all gathered around the water cooler, whispering to each other Can you believe God does this? This is crazy. They're amazed, amazed at the revelation that comes to human beings from the living God. That's a beautiful thought. Now here's where it helps, I think, to add, and, and the, this is the reason why I partnered these two passages together. Here's where it helps, I think, to add the further insight that comes from Peter's writings in 2 Peter chapter 1. Because same author, Peter, Same inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Same subject, but just a slightly different way of talking about it. Really, really interesting connection between these two passages. So look with me now at 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, where Peter writes this, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There it is again. The same idea, the same theme, the same concept. Prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So catch the concept at work here. The words of men somehow become the words of God when and only when they are divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? And when this happens, it's as if the people in, uh, you know, that, are, that are experiencing this are somehow mysteriously carried along or moved to say things that they wouldn't otherwise say. They're given a revelation of what God wants them to communicate. And it comes to them in their thoughts, in their minds. Their minds settle on something true about God. The Holy Spirit turns the light on and they see something or understand something that they wouldn't have otherwise known. And then they communicate that for our benefit. Now, to this point, we've been talking about the way that this doctrine of revelation and inspiration worked in the lives of the prophets. The ones, the authors of scripture, right? This is why, again, why we respect the word of God as the word of God. And why when we open it, we ought to, we ought to be thinking, God, what do you want to say to me? Whenever we open the Bible, is that your attitude? Is that the question that you're you're eager to find an answer to? God, what do you want to say to me? This is your word. This word, this, This book reveals your thoughts, your truth, your will, your plans. God, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me about you? That's the kind of anticipation that we ought to have toward the word of God whenever we open it but I want you to see something else with me about this doctrine of revelation and how it works because it doesn't just apply to them, the prophets of old, the authors of the Old Testament and even the New Testament like Peter. The doctrine of revelation, the idea of how revelation comes from the Spirit still works in the same way with each one of us. Now, where do I get that from these passages? Well, let me take you back again to 1 Peter 1.12 and show you something very interesting at the end of Peter's words. Because in this passage, he mentions the ministry of the Holy Spirit twice. The first time, he's actually talking about the prophets of old who were inspired and received something from the Spirit so that they could communicate it for our benefit. But in verse 12, the focus is a little different. Look at this again. It was revealed to them, the prophets, that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Okay, so wait a minute. Who, who's Peter talking about now that's experiencing the revelation and inspiration of the Spirit? He's referring to those who have preached the gospel to those who are now reading this letter. In other words, Peter's talking about a different group of people here. He's not talking about the prophets of old. They, of course, experienced the revelation of the Spirit as well. But he's saying now, those who preached the gospel at the time of Peter, right, contemporaneous to the writing of this letter, those who were preaching the gospel so that people could actually hear it, and receive it we're preaching under the inspiration and revelation of the Holy Spirit the same spirit same idea revelation from heaven reveals the heart of God the will of God the plan of God the life of God and it points us Christ's word so what Peter's describing then is the ministry of a whole different group of people here. He's talking about people that were contemporaries of his, probably including himself, and he's talking about people who are communicating the essence of the gospel of Christ and his kingdom to others. I don't think that he's just talking about the authors of the New Testament. I think he's actually talking about people in general, anybody who communicates the gospel has received it by revelation from the Holy Spirit and is then speaking it under the direction of the Holy Spirit. So every time, think about this, every time someone comes to faith in Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit revealed the truth to them. And and furthermore, every time somebody communicates the truth of Christ, it's because the Holy Spirit is prompting them and directing them and inspiring them to speak of what they've learned, to share the secret. So revelation and inspiration aren't just for the authors of Scripture. Of course they are for the authors of Scripture. And Scripture is set apart as authoritative. It's uniquely the the written Word of God. And nothing I ever say should be, you know, put on the same level as what, what we read in God's Word, unless I'm speaking it verbatim. But what Peter's describing here is the reality that Men and women like us receive revelation and then speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to communicate on God's behalf. I hope that's what I'm doing right now. Honestly. I hope you're hearing in what I say something of the truth of God, the heart of God, the will of God, and the plan of God for your life. And if you are, it's not, to my credit, It's because of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. And my point is, you you know, you, you don't have to be an author of Scripture or even a pastor to experience this. The ministry of revelation from the Holy Spirit is available to every single person. God wants to show you what he wants you to know, and then he wants to inspire you and direct you to share it with others. So what Peter's describing here is not just the revelation and inspiration that led to the writing of the Bible, he's describing something beyond that. He's describing the way in which God's Spirit reveals the truth of the gospel to any given person and then uses them to reveal it in turn to someone else. All of that is dependent on the ministry of God's Spirit. He's saying, in essence, that the Holy Spirit was sent from heaven to help each one of us receive the gospel and then in turn convey it and reveal it and share it with others that's the ministry of god's spirit in our lives it's like god whispered the secret in our ears of how he wants us to live in right relationship with him the way that he wants us to go and then he moves us to share that with other people so each one of our lives become like that one-way sign Pointing people in the direction of Christ. And hopefully, the words that we speak are signs to the life of Christ. Not only was the Holy Spirit required for the revelation and inspiration to take effect in the minds of the authors of Scripture, the same Spirit reveals God's truth to inspire those who now read Scripture to believe it, and then in turn, to share it with others. All of that is dependent on the revelation of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if it got up there. You know, there it is, good. Yep, the same Spirit that revealed the thoughts of God and inspired the writing of Scripture now reveals the truths of Scripture and the thoughts of God to us. And man, I could oh I could talk for an hour about this. I, I won't. I can't. i got to wrap it up. Our time's up here. But... Um, There are several passages in the New Testament that speak of this reality. And what we'll have to do, I'm going to have to just promise that we'll come back to that uh, next week and pick up where we left off because our time is up and we want to spend some time uh, in prayer ministry with one another this morning. So with that, let's pray.